Support for today's show comes from Squarespace, and they support our show because they know you're amazing. You're a cracked podcast listener. You're probably a crack.com reader that makes you someone interesting and internet savvy and ready to have their own website. Use Squarespace to do it. You can showcase your work, blog or publish content, even sell products and services of all kinds, and you can customize everything about your template, created by world-class designers, to make your website specific to you. So what are you waiting for? Head to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code CRACKED to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey there, folks. Welcome to another episode of The Cracked Podcast, the podcast about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm the head of podcasting here at Cracked. I'm also known as Schmitty the Clam, and I am also, also, basically one of the Blues Brothers this week, because I'm getting the band back together. Call me Jake, or alternatively Elwood, because we're on a mission from God to reunite with an old pal who I got to bring on the show this week. If you're a Cracked fan, he's your old pal, too. He is Adam Todd Brown, longtime mainstay of our website. He is a writer, comedian, and podcaster over on his fantastic show and network, Unpopular Opinion. He's one of my favorite people, just full stop, favorite people. And most relevant to today's show, he's the person in my world who was right about Donald Trump first. While the whole media was literally laughing about Donald Trump's chances in 2015, Adam was saying we should be concerned in the strongest possible language. He saw through the bullshit of a time of extreme pundit bullshit. And I feel that right now, in the early stages of 2018, we are entering a new perfect storm of pundit bullshit. Today's episode is all about that storm and about protecting you from it. Because if you oppose Donald Trump, if you're upset with his presidency, the media is trying to break your heart. I gotta warn you. Because there are three entire pundit narratives gaining more and more traction about why 2018 is the year things will get better. Some people behind those narratives are even saying things will get better soon. And that's insane. Because here are those three narratives, read in dumb voices. Number one, impeachment. Robert Mueller's investigation is hot on the trail. Flunkies keep flipping. Donnie's about to get his water gated. Narrative number two, facts. Trump's failures of the week are so embarrassing. This week, his base will finally abandon him because at the end of the day, facts matter, Wolf. And narrative number three, the 2018 midterm elections. A blue wave of Democrat election victories, a blue tsunami of guys in ties, will crush Republicans this November, taking away Trump's congressional majority and power. Now, all of those narratives get someone like me excited. All of those narratives lead someone like me to believe everything will be fine soon. So why put in time voting or volunteering or organizing? And the problem is, all three of those narratives are bullshit. And I mean cut and dried, straight up bullshit. Because all you need to do to debunk them is look at history or new technology or math, which we will do for you today. We'll get into all of it. And to help make sure I'm on the right track with this debunking, I lit up the Adam Todd Brown-shaped bat signal on my roof and brought him in. Because if anybody can predict where President Rodeo Clown is headed, it's Adam. And he piled on even more evidence of all this stuff. We had a great time with it. And we hope you enjoy some protection from overconfidence. Because that's what got us into this mess. 
that could make this mess worse, and there's still plenty of time to fix this if we don't fall for pundit bullshit. So let's kick some ass. Please sit back or listen to this episode piecemeal on a mobile device while you get out of your house and register your neighbors to vote. Did you know that's a good thing you can do? It is! Either way, enjoy this episode of The Cracked Podcast with Adam Todd Brown. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. We are joined in his home studio by the one and only Adam Todd Brown, our old pal. Hey, Adam. Woo! Home hey. field advantage. <laughs> means I have access to a soundboard and everything. Oh, man. But I bat first. So yeah, look out. Exactly. But we're not talking about baseball. We're talking about a fella who gets to be the president right now and also living in this year, this year of 2018. Um, because I see rocks coming for people who are upset that Donald Trump is the president. I think that's going to be a difficult year for them as far as their expectations, as far as managing that. Yeah, I think it's going to be a rough year. It, yeah. I mean, it was already a rough year, and there's no reason to expect it's going to get better. The government literally shut down one year <laughs> to the day of him taking office. So for year one, not a success. Yeah, it is. I would argue. <laughs> Contentious point. Uh, it definitely it is that meme from 30 Rock where it's just a line from 30 Rock. But Liz Lemon's like, what a year, huh? And Jack says, Lemon, it's February. It's been, <laughs> we're not far. Well, and also and I want to I want to look back on uh, Adam. You had uh, you've written columns for Cracked quite a bit. Right. In the past. And you wrote a column. It was October 1st of 2015. It was called Five Ways Donald Trump Perfectly Mirrors Hitler's Rise to Power. And you said, quote, Ideally, time will prove me crazy and incorrect, but approaching the Trump candidacy as a comedy sketch that will never come true could potentially be the most tragic mistake this country will ever make. And you don't need to look any further than the publicly documented words and actions of the man himself to see just how true that is. And quote, uh, I think my question would be, how does it feel being so inaccurate, being so <laughs> oh, wrong? Oh, I wanted to be wrong so badly. <laughs> I got so many messages after that, like, oh, how's it feel to be right? horrible right <laughs> i feels feels bad really bad yeah i saw that happen on twitter people were like oh man adam was one of the first people to nail it he must feel great and you just kept being like stop it i'm so sad i yeah. don't like this at all <laughs> yeah it was it was a huge bummer there's a crazy story behind that article i wrote it i had been in wisconsin for a few weeks and i got on a bus to go from Edgerton, Wisconsin, to Chicago, Illinois, Woo. to get on a flight at 6 a.m. so I could make it to the office when I was still working at Cracked, so I could make it to the office and record a podcast that morning with my ex-girlfriend, but she was just Skyping in, but I had to record a podcast that morning, and then I go work on that Trump column until about four in the afternoon, and then I had to go move Ugh. by myself. I had to move all my belongings from santa monica to burbank and then i went back to the office and stayed at the office from around 11 o'clock at night until 5 45 in the morning finishing that column i finished it after it was live on the site which they did not like <laughs> but it did really well so i hadn't slept for about 40 hours by the time i finished that article so i'm very surprised it came out as coherent as it did <laughs> and it wasn't just the ramblings uh, but if he had lost i could have just been like man i hadn't slept in 40 hours when i wrote that cut me some slack <laughs> it's fine and you wrote it when 
professional paid news people on TV were were literally laughing at the idea that Donald Trump could get the nomination, let alone literally. Be there's that really famous video of George, it's George Stephanopoulos, Stephanopoulos yeah. laughing at Keith Ellison, who is one of the few politicians who was like, yeah, he could get the nomination. Yeah. And man, the laughs that follow that. <laughs> it's insane. I don't know. That, that should be a scandal in news. Yeah. As badly as everyone blew the Trump story should be a little more scandalous than it is. Instead, everyone's just like, how did we get this wrong? It's right. like, because you didn't take it seriously. Well, yeah, they're like, how did we get this wrong? For analysis, we go to the wrong people. You know, <laughs> exactly. It's, like, yeah. it's not a productive system <laughs> at all. Yeah. Yeah. I always, there's two kinds of pundits that it's news pundits and sports pundits who there, there's just no accountability for being wrong about anything. Oh, and with yeah, the sports sure. people, it doesn't matter. So it's fine. But the news people, it does. <laughs> yeah. The sports people, it's always fun at the end of the year to go back and look at Super Bowl predictions. Oh, yeah. And there's always one person that's like the New York Jets. It's like, <laughs> really? <laughs> Where did that come from? Same thing with politics. Yeah. yeah. Especially with the Trump thing. It, like, it felt weird. It felt weird writing that and being like, if you go back and look at the comments on my podcast, Unpopular Opinion. There were, I did three Trump episodes in a row and people were like, cool it, Adam. This is getting old. He's not going to win. And then I reposted those comments on Twitter, like after he won. (laughs) I hope all those people felt that sting. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, come on, focus on something that would really happen (laughs) or something. Jeb Bush getting the nomination. Right. Talk about something important like the (laughs) Avengers. You know, like, why are you fixated on this fantasy? I feel like it is also, other than just being very fun, nice to bring up uh, those people being wildly incorrect while you were correct, because I feel like now, now that we're in early 2018, I keep seeing a lot of different stories on a few different themes of why this year is going to be great. It's going to be an amazing time for people who don't like Donald Trump. And uh, assuming you don't like him now and will continue to not like him, I think you should really, really out there uh, moderate your expectations as far as what's going to happen and what we're going to get for a lot of reasons, most of them based on like math and electoral maps and just how and history and how stuff works. This is going to be a year where you need to be ready for it to feel long. I think uh, uplifting to know that you should aim aim low and then if things go high, great. But uh, they, they may be tough. For sure. I feel like with the midterm elections coming up, I feel like that's the thing that's giving people yeah. the most hope, for sure. <laughs> and I don't know how justified that hope really is. Because Trump is, he's scarier already than people are giving him credit for. Like the the Russia sanctions thing, where, I mean, the vote on those Russia sanctions were something like 500 to 6 in favor of yeah, in Congress, yeah. imposing those sanctions on Russia. And Trump was just like, nope. yeah that's a dictator move like he didn't even veto it like if he had vetoed it it could have gone back to the people who voted and they could have been like no 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 no. we're gonna override this veto and that happens right he didn't even leave it open for discussion he was just like nope that gives me pause when people are like oh we're gonna take back the house and senate it's like so what like oh man (laughs) (laughs) like what's it gonna matter if you have a president who is just like I don't care what the entire rest of the government thinks. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. At that point, even if it's a Democrat-controlled House and Senate, what do they do next? Fight him? <laughs> oh, you mean like physically? Like, yeah. Like with swords or something? Yeah. yeah. Like what else? What's next? I don't know. 
there are probably two main checks on a precedent, at least at this point in history when the executive is more powerful than it's ever been. One of them is, like we say, Congress, Congress being opposed to them. The, right. the ju- Justice Department and the Supreme Court is just kind of what it is. And so Congress is the one we vote on. Yeah. And then the other check on him is some kind of investigation, like Robert Mueller going on right now. Right. And both things could work out eventually. I don't think either will work out this year, probably. It's going to be a while if those turn out. I'm starting to feel like like there's definitely Trump ties to Russia, for sure. Yeah. Like he's beholden to Russia, it feels like. But I'm starting to feel like it happened in a way that it almost sort of like the person at the top of a crime organization runs their organization. The things just kind of happen around them, but they don't touch any of it. And that makes those people really hard to prosecute. Like you might get their right hand man, you might get the people committing the murders, but it's hard to find really compelling evidence tying that main person to that big crime. And I'm starting to worry that's going to be the case with Trump, where it might take down most of his cabinet, but we'll still have Trump. It really could, yeah. Let's let's talk about one of the things people are hopeful about in 2018 is investigations of Trump, right? Like, oh, right. things will tie him to Russia and we'll get him and it'll be a thing. And one reason that might not work out is exactly like you say, like criminal organizations or plots, a lot of times the top person in them will not be very close to them, especially if it's a person who does not have tremendous discipline as far as being detail-oriented right. about the things going on around them. Like in the Iran-Contra scandal in the 80s, a lot of the defense of Ronald Reagan as far as being involved in that or not was that he just wasn't that on the ball. Yeah, He wasn't paying attention to much that was going on. And that's like a weirdly effective defense. Yeah, the it's crazy effective. Laziness defense, I guess. Reagan, that was, that was a serious thing. <laughs> like, yeah. They started the crack epidemic, depending on who you believe, through the (laughs) Iran-Contra scandal. Like, it had huge ripple effects that impacted the country for decades after. And Reagan was just like, well, I didn't know, so... And people were just like, okay, it's fine. Like, that should not have been fine. There should have been more of an investigation. And there was. It was a big televised thing, but yeah, it never... Yeah. Never really touched Reagan. As we taped this, there was a Trump tweet this weekend where Trump was saying, can you believe Obama was tied to a payment to Iran? That's crazy. But like <laughs> Reagan's administration, well, first of all, Trump's thing, probably bullshit. Second thing, uh, Reagan was tied to not only like payments to Iran, but that also involved arms sales and Central America. And it, w- it was like a multi-tier series of clandestine things. Arms sales at a time when we had an embargo on arms sales to Iran. <laughs> if another country did that while we had sanctions on Iran, we would be like, we are not dealing with you anymore. Right. You're a bad guy. It would be an international incident. But our president was like, sanctions. <laughs> we, ha- we have to train these people in Nicaragua somehow. Right. And uh, I already kind of see that happening with Trump, where it's like Trump Jr. was the one who set up the meeting. And <laughs> right. it's like, it's just kind of happening around him. I think he's good at playing both sides of the dumb and smart fence. Yes. Like, he knows what he's doing. And I think if any president is going to inevitably claim the I didn't know defense, it's going to be Trump. Unless there's some real smoking gun they have tying him to it, it'll probably work. Yeah. Well, and he also, he would never accept 
that a smoking gun is a smoking gun, he will just deny oh, right. it to his dying day. Yeah. Forever. Have you l- heard about deep fakes? Uh, yes. That's what I think it's is terrifying. That's what I think is going to end up being Trump's crutch when it comes to the P tape. If that P tape ever comes out, he's just going to be like deep fakes. And for yeah. people listening who don't know, deep fakes are AI generated porn where you can put anyone's face in porn and make it look very convincing. Yeah, it's it's very recent news, and it's perhaps the grossest news story of all time. It's horrifying. In, in human history. Yeah, and <laughs> it's going to be a big story, and if it's a big story by the time that P-tape comes out, that'll be his defense, and even if everyone doesn't believe it, enough people will believe it for it to just kind of go away or always be in dispute. There's a BuzzFeed news piece that just came out. It's called, He Predicted the 2016 Fake News Crisis. Now he's worried about an information apocalypse by Charlie Warzel. And he talks to a technologist named Aviv Ovadia about a lot of different things. And the big one is, it's this thing called deep fakes. It like started on Reddit, and I believe it's been shut down because it is a crime. It's people who uh, created software that you don't even have to be that good at software to use, where they put a celebrity's face onto a porn performer in porn and then it just kind of looks like the celebrity is is having sex and it can be used to fake any kind of video right it doesn't have to be pornography it could be (laughs) it could be someone pushing over a prius at a protest and all of a sudden your face is on it right right like that that's where technology like that can head and there's also a video on youtube of someone using that exact software and it's a side by side of just a dude with a beard and a video of george w bush and as the dude talks bush's mouth moves in the exact way bush's mouth would move when he was saying those words yeah so at that point if you just get a really convincing voice artist in on it. You can just kind of fake anything you want. And I feel like once that story really breaks and really makes it into the public consciousness, it's exactly like that writer said. It's just going to be, we're not going to know what's real and what's fake anymore. <laughs> yeah. And that's terrifying. It's a really terrifying prospect. And, there, and there's more tech beyond that. There's uh, the people at Adobe, which is the actual company that makes stuff like Photoshop and is a business. <laughs> They're working on a couple different pieces of software. One is called Voco, and the fun nickname for it is Photoshop for Audio. No. Because wouldn't that be great? And they did a presentation in late 2016, so a while ago now, of like a rough version of it. With uh, They had Jordan Peele on it, and it was like a fun celebrity thing. And they edited somebody talking so that they said, instead of kissing their wife and dog, they kissed Jordan Peele and their dog. And then the audience laughs, you know, and oh, they're having a great yeah. time. But like, think about it, everyone. That's trouble. It's the not- government <laughs> should have shut that presentation down. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's, those are the moments. Agents should have swarmed. Yeah, those yeah. are the moments when I want our government to lean toward a more authoritarian bent. Yeah. And be like, no, no, <laughs> not in our country. No. Sanction that shit. Like, let them do it in South Korea or wherever, but do not bring it here. <laughs> did, did you see the story about the Chinese police and their glasses? Oh, no. They have glasses that just, if they look at you, it pulls up all your shit. And <laughs> if, if you show them your ID, they can look at the ID and look at you, and the glasses will tell them if 
that's actually the person in the ID or not. And they're like, oh, we're just going to use it to catch terrorists because, you know, all the terrorism happening in China. And people are like, no, you're going to use that to round up dissidents. We know what's happening over there. And they're looking at stuff like that here. They're looking at body cams for cops that also have facial recognition software. Oh, great. So they can just walk through a crowd and go, he was there, he was there, he was there. And then if some shit jumps off, you're all conspirators in that thing that happened. Yeah. Which well, is a law Trump is pushing for. And, and also the other piece of Adobe software to talk about, its name right now is Cloak. Great, fun name. No. And it's described in the article as a tool that can seamlessly remove objects and people from video in a matter of clicks. <laughs> so also the average person or, say, policeman who is da- has downloaded their body cam footage can just, like, stall in people out of videos. So now there's just going to be videos of unarmed <laughs> motorists flopping around on the ground. <laughs> They're like, right. no, clearly they had a seizure. We are not beating them. Didn't Good. you know half the population is epileptic? <laughs> I mean, it's just what it is. So yeah, so evidence also might become a thing of the past in 2018. We'll see. Hopefully not. Like in those cases, even when evidence is real, it's going to be so easy to go, nope, that's fake. Right. Yeah. It's already happening even when technology was not a monster yet. It was not too long ago, Trump suddenly started saying that he didn't say the things on the Access Hollywood tape. And maybe he found out that there's starting to be technology that could justify that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like yeah. maybe somebody gave him that tip and he was like, oh, OK, this is the bullshit I can say now. Yeah. But, he has no regard for being caught in a lie. Right. Like how many times has he said, I have no relationship with Putin. I barely know <laughs> Putin. Yeah. And like he held the 2013 Miss Universe pageant in Moscow. And right before that, he tweeted I wonder if Putin's going to come to the Miss Universe pageant and if he'll be my new best friend. Like, that was a real tweet. Yeah. And he just left it up. Like, at least take that down if you're going to start denying your ties to Putin because they did. He didn't meet Putin at that. But he goes on a radio interview in 2015 and was like, I met the top people. I met the government people. I met the military people. We have a beautiful relationship. Right. And now (laughs) it's like, no, I don't fucking know anybody in Russia. What are you people talking about? It's like, you said it. Right. You said it on the radio. It's taped on your voice. Yeah. And there's still going to be a whole, like, what, 40% of the population who's like, eh. Right. Fake news. Yeah, yeah. It's scary. It's very scary. And as far as the people who handle evidence and deal with it, like these kind of investigations, I, I think the media is setting people up to believe that the Robert Mueller investigation is going to play out fast or like in a dramatic way there was a wired story that i saw in a magazine wired it was michael flynn's guilty plea shows that robert Mueller is closing in and it was december 1st so that was two and a half months ago and then yeah and then i googled today and it was vanity fair why rumors of a new plea deal should terrify trump and it's about rick gates and these investigations take a lot of time. If you look at the ones Mueller's done, if you look at Watergate, it's it's a years-long process. Yeah. And it's only fast if they kind of find nothing or if it's an incredibly small topic. Right. Not the topic of did the president and Russia rig the election or mess with the country, which is yeah. enormous. It's the biggest investigation in the world. Yeah. And the thing with Flynn that was that's probably some of the lowest hanging fruit there is in that yeah. event. Like he was probably going to get indicted for Russia stuff regardless of Trump. Yeah, he's like, just a dummy. He's not. Yeah, yeah. And when Trump came into office, even Obama was like, don't 
appoint him to (laughs) anything. Like he's a (laughs) Russian agent. Yeah. Like everybody knew it. So it's not surprising that he was first. And then there's the 13 indictments that just came down for all the people spreading the news. Like that's easy. Yeah. I I, I did an an episode about the internet research agency like six months ago. Like, yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. yeah, Everyone probably knew that was coming, but the Trump stuff is going to be harder. But it's there. Like, one of the things Mueller is looking into in this investigation, allegedly, is Trump Soho, which is a hotel that's no longer called Trump Soho. Uh, Fittingly enough, was uh, (laughs) built on top of a former burial vault for a abolitionist church that was known for accepting African-Americans. So, of course, that's where Trump Soho is built. It's like the poltergeist of luxury buildings. (laughs) Did you know that the L.A. version is he tried to turn the site of the Ambassador Hotel where RFK was shot (laughs) into condos in in like the 90s? And then the city government blocked him from doing it with eminent domain. And he compared the L.A. city government to Nazi Germany. Sure, sure. And and now it's like a school for children and they're, they're trying to like improve society but he tried to turn into the condos that yeah. tracks 100 <laughs> percent. the trump soho thing is what Mueller is looking into in the big picture is money laundering in the new york city real estate market yeah because that's what like people forget trump filed bankruptcy so many times he couldn't get a loan in the united states <laughs> so any business great businessman he great. starts past 2000 is probably funded by a foreign government yeah, <laughs> there's 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 a reason he won't release his tax returns. And it's not because he's a private guy. Like he tells us everything <laughs> except what he really doesn't want us to know, which is that he's got a lot of money tied up in Russia. There's a lot of business dealings he did that are related to Russia. And that stuff will come out eventually. Like if publications know it, it can't all be fake news. You know, right. Even then, if you look at the the emails, it's still all kind of happening around him it's there's this felix Sater guy who is an immigrant for one thing who brought trump this trump soho deal there's an email from him to michael cohen who is one of trump's lead lawyers where he's like he literally says look i'm gonna get putin in on this and we're going to get Trump elected. I know exactly how to play it. You know, most people would be too greedy to pull this off, but we know exactly how to do it. We're going to make our boy president. But, but Adam, how would that tie them to Putin? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing. At the end of the day, I do feel like this is all building up to Trump being able to go, I didn't know. And the flip side of it, even if you are looking forward to the Trump investigations and you think this is going to be a good year, so you're looking forward to President Pence? That's just a smooth talking Trump. He is one of the most terrifying people in the country yeah. in a time of terrifying people. Yeah. yeah. And at that point, you just we just have all of the Trump ideals and values in a more polished politician package. Right. And if you take him out, you have Paul Ryan. Like <laughs> the line of <laughs> yeah. succession, you got to go way down until we get someone you're going to be comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. It's like the it's like when Lance Armstrong lost all his Tour de France's and he was like, "Man, the 25 people behind me also were in doping scandals." <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the guy who was in 28th right. eventually wins and it's like, "Yay, that feels like a victory." Right, the trophy doesn't go down to like <laughs> second place John Q Noble cyclist. 
the exactly. finest person in the sport. <laughs> yeah, let's look at the the presidential succession. Another thing in 2018 that that will not work out for you this year. It's going to be bad because again, if Trump resigns or passes away or something else, Mike Pence becomes the president. If somehow Trump and Pence are both both have to leave at the same time in one like Russia dragnet or something. And because Pence was like at one point running the transition team or something, there could be a way he's tied up in it too. Sure. But if they both go, the succession goes to the Speaker of the House, which is Paul Ryan, who... Ouch! <laughs> if Pence leaves without Trump leaving, Trump gets to nominate a successor and Congress approves them. So Trump picks whoever he wants and co- Republican Congress says yes. So the best case scenario in the short term for the succession would be Democrats win the House in 2018, Trump and Pence leave at the same time after a new Congress is seated in January of 2019, and the Democrat who's Speaker of the House moves up to the presidency without a full civil war happening over that. (laughs) Like a full, terrible... You have me until the no civil war. That part seems unlikely. (laughs) And it, it would just be, it would be fully unprecedented in American history either way. Every time there's been a succession, it's been someone from the same party moving up. And even, yeah. even when Nixon and Agnew left, like the, when Agnew resigned, they chose to make Ford the pick. And that, it was all Republicans all the way up. Yeah. If you want to look at it in a conspiratorial way, it could have always been the plan to get Trump in office and then get him impeached because Mike Pence running against Hillary Clinton was going to lose for sure. Yeah. Like Pence wouldn't have beat anybody. He wasn't going to win his reelection campaign for governor of Indiana. That's right. why he signed yeah. on in the first place. He's an awful person. Yeah. Maybe this is the Republican strategy. Just get Trump, (laughs) get Trump impeached so we can have real Republicans with real Nazi ideals in the White House. (laughs) And that's even more terrifying. What if Trump's the one who saves us? I don't want to think about that. Uh, That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and then as far as investigation timeline, right? Like if we even need to deal with a succession because of an investigation, Mueller just did indictments, as you said, of 13 Russians. It was this past Friday when we're taping, and it was mainly people tied to the Internet Research Agency. And as the Trump team has been saying ever since, this indictment did not indict any Americans, did not connect Trump to the Russians yet, and did not affirm that Russians impacted the 2016 election results. It's probably the first step toward some of those things happening. Right. But it's going to be a very, very, very long time. Like with Watergate... As a historical example, the break-in and the denial happened in May of 1972. We didn't get all the way to a resignation until August of 1974. So that's two and a third years. That's a lot of Trump in office. So when you see a headline telling you, Mueller's about to cinch the... No, it's going to be a long time. It's probably going to be like 2019 or 20 if we get there. Right, right. We're going to see most of Trump's first term. For sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. And as far as even looking at Mueller's past investigations, because he's been doing this for a long time, he, for one thing, did the investigation of whether the NFL knew about the Ray Rice video. He handled the independent investigation of that for the NFL. As an NFL fan, I can tell you that didn't go fast. <laughs> right. That investigation was one question about one thing involving one company. Yep. And Mueller spent four months doing over 200 interviews and examining dozens of devices just to dig into that, and also came to the conclusion that no one in the NFL saw the tape of Ray Rice abusing his wife before the public did, uh, and that there was other notice about it, and that they should have done something. But it was a very long process leading to a very level-headed, not 
earth-shaking conclusion. Right. And then he also famously handled the investigation of John Gotti, the mob boss. Hey, mob stuff. Here we go. This is fun. Mueller was the U.S. Assistant Attorney General for the Criminal Division in the early 90s. They only got Gotti by flipping his underboss, Sammy Gravano. And they mostly flipped Gravano because he, in court, heard Gotti's testimony saying that it was all Gravano and Gravano did everything. (laughs) Another reason they were able to flip Gravano was because Gotti was openly rooting for the Iraqis in the first Iraq war. And Gravano was a veteran and an American and didn't like it. And so that that mostly fell into Mueller's lap. And then even from there, they arrested Gotti in December 1990 and didn't convict him until April 1992. So that's a year and a half to catch a mob boss for being a mob boss. Yeah. And if you think about John Gotti's history, they called him the Teflon Don because like he's exactly what I'm talking about. He was at the top of this organization and just kind of let things happen around him. But there was never any evidence tying him to actual things until there was that testimony. How knowledgeable about world events do you have to be to even have a dog in the fight during the first Iraq war? <laughs> like it was four days long, wasn't it? Like it was oh, just, right, right. and just also way, somehow. way to back like, oh, the well. wrong horse. Yeah. <laughs> they did not put up a good showing in that first Iraq war. It couldn't have been a PR move by Gotti because who <laughs> who was on Saddam's side? There was not a lot of anti-American sentiment during that yeah. war. No one's ever been on Saddam's side, really. Right. Like people no. have been upset we're there or something, but nobody's <laughs> like, because he's great. You know, that's not a thing. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> and so so we have an investigation that is incredibly complex, run by a very painstaking person. And so you at home should should not pin all your hopes on on some sort of FBI sting next week. Be be yeah. ready for it to yeah. be a long year. And even then, can you do anything to a sitting president? Like, wouldn't they have to yeah. impeach him first? That's also a thing where there is some question whether the president can be subpoenaed or charged with crimes. Right. It's not totally clear that that's actually a thing. Like they can yeah. be impeached, but there's some question as to whether that can even happen. We'll we'll footnote a, a Washington Post article by Philip Bump where he breaks down three ways that if Mueller subpoenas Trump to make him testify, there's probably three different ways Trump can just not do that. He can either Nixon did the Saturday Night Massacre where he fired several prosecutors to try to get out of stuff. And then we had like a system. So that was a problem, you know? Yeah. But one way Trump can get out of it is just do that. And then we have no system. And so it's whatever. He could also do a counter lawsuit to try to kill the subpoena. And uh, Donald Trump loves lawsuits. So that seems like a likely thing. Yeah. And uh, the third way that uh, Bump says Trump could get out of it is just ignore it. Just not show up and not deal with it, which yeah. is kind of what he's done with these Russia sanctions, like that, you said. That feels like the, the most Trump move. It's what it's he does. would be like, I'm busy. Bills yeah. he owes, basically. <laughs> right. Ignores them and doesn't pay them. So why would this be any different? Yeah, and it, and it seems like, in particular, the necessary thing to bring him down in some sort of investigative way is people in Congress caring, or at least a majority of people in Congress caring. Yeah. And because that was super necessary in Watergate, There was a point in Watergate in July of 1973, Nixon refused to turn over tapes of himself. And so then there was the beginning of impeachment proceedings. It also took a Supreme Court order that he released the tapes. Yeah. It was like the combined efforts of Congress and the Supreme Court pushing on Nixon to actually have anything happen with that investigation. And we don't seem to be in a position where either of those bodies would do anything to Trump. We're not in the same position as a country. The general public 
there's a different reaction to really big government scandals these days. Like Watergate, COINTELPRO, remember that? I mean, not remember that. It was before both of us were born, but that was... I forget what that acronym is. A counterintelligence program. So not the craftiest acronym <laughs> of all time. Code name. And that was the FBI's program. I think it was started under Hoover of just following celebrities. Wait, and J. Edgar Hoover or Herbert Hoover? Uh, J. Edgar uh, Hoover. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they had files on like John Lennon, Martin Luther King Jr., oh, all of these program. people. Yeah. yeah the public was incensed. Right. People were really outraged. MK Ultra, which is a conspiracy theory thing that people throw around a lot, but it was an actual government program that went on for 30 years. Yeah. And when people found out about it again in the 70s, there was outrage and a demand for answers. And now cut to 2018 in the New York Times is like, hey, here's video of the Navy following an actual UFO and they've been studying this for years, and oh, they're boy. like, we still don't know what this is. And the public was just like, eh, that's fine. No one cares. <laughs> like, I had not heard of that story. You, oh, you haven't heard that? Yeah. There was a, a New York Times investigation. It was Senator Harry Reid was one of the leaders of the program. And the man who brought the idea to him, I actually do a bit on stage about this guy. His name is Robert Bigelow. He is building all of the spacecraft that we're going to use for space tourism in the future. Oh. And the one he's most keen on is a balloon. It's inflatable, and it's going to get us to space. <laughs> the thing to know about Robert Bigelow when it comes to trusting him with space travel, he is the founder and former CEO of the Budget Suites Motel chain. A man right. who runs a franchise with a synonym for cheap in the name is who we're now <laughs> trusting to get us to space. And the last space shuttle blew up because like a quarter inch piece of foam hit one of the rockets or something and everybody right. died. But now we're like, Bigelow's the guy. Yeah, but yeah. he also, there's this, it's really fascinating. The At one point in the New York Times article, it says they modified a building in Las Vegas to hold all of the things they found at various crashes and sites. Harry Reid is interviewed in this article, or he was interviewed previously. There's a quote from him where he's like, if anyone claims to know where these things we're storing came from, they are lying. And he was even like, we have confirmed they are not from a country. It was my understanding that everything is from a country. <laughs> exactly. On Earth. Unless it's <laughs> from space. And what I want to know is how did that, what does they remodeled this building to hold these things mean? Because I assume if it's government building, there's going to be security. So that can't be it. Nicer bathrooms probably. Yeah. Are. Like, you know, nicer bathrooms. Yeah. There's a force field. So aliens can't see that we're holding <laughs> the stuff there. The huge. Yeah. There's even a video in, in the article. You can find it on YouTube and it's two pilots following this thing in the sky and at one point, it like stops and just makes a 90 degree turn. And it's the freakiest video. And it's an official government video, a video of the government basically saying, we don't know what this is. <laughs> the kind of videos that up to this point, you see them on YouTube and you're like, that's fake. That is fake garbage. And now the government has put one out and nobody cares. We wow. have we have so much so many bigger fish to fry right now. We're like, yeah. we'll deal with the alien stuff later. But yeah, yeah I'm sure 2018 is going to be great. 
Support for today's show comes from Beachbody On Demand. It is an online fitness streaming service that gives you unlimited access to a wide variety of highly effective world-class workouts personalized to meet your needs. It's the total package to help you become the total package this year. Maybe you've heard of Beachbody On Demand. They do stuff like P90X and Insanity. Well, they also do 10-minute workouts that anyone can do. That's more in my range. I do their simple yoga workout. I do their simple stretching workouts and simple cardio. You can work it into your day wherever you are. We all want to be more fit, and whatever way you want to be more fit, Beachbody On Demand can help. They have over 600 different workouts, and they're all available on any web-enabled device, like your phone. And it costs less than a gym membership, so you're saving money, too. You need to give this service a try, and right now our listeners can get a free trial membership when you text CRACKED, C-R-A-C-K-E-D, text CRACKED to 303030. That's right, 303030. Couldn't be easier, just text cracked there, and you'll get full access to their entire Beachbody platform for free. All the workouts and nutrition information is free. Just text cracked to 303030. Support for today's show comes from Squarespace because, hey, you're ready. Whether it's your writing or your business or just you, you're ready to have a website for yourself. You deserve it. It's 2018, and why don't you get online with a beautiful template created by a world-class designer? That sounds pretty great, right? Squarespace makes it easy to take one of those and turn it into your new and unique website. Showcase yourself, blog or publish your content, even sell products and services of all kinds with just a few clicks. You can customize everything about it. You can also optimize your site for mobile right out of the box because all Squarespace websites are optimized for the phone. They all look good on the device that everyone uses to look at the internet now. There's also nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. If you do have a question, Squarespace's award-winning 24-7 customer support is there to help. So what are you waiting for? Head to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code CRACKED to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com, offer code CRACKED. So given that it's a year where uh, the investigation won't remove Trump, the succession won't work out if you don't like Trump, and all evidence of anything is is losing its credibility to an extent, those are all going on. Please hang in there. But also, uh, I think we're all really being built up to be excited about these midterm elections, like we said earlier. Like, yeah. This is going to be the time. Theoretically, that could be a thing, because Congress has always been a check on the president, and there's two chambers up that I've seen reports about each chamber where people are like, these polls about how people feel or the map of things, it shows Democrats are going to take it. Like, it's a slam dunk. The election is, what, eight months away? But slam dunk, sure. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we also described that midterm election is coming up, but it's in November. So it's right. going to be a while. <laughs> yeah, a lot could happen between now and then. And one reason 2018 will be long is until November, Congress will not change. The maximum amount right. could change is we've pretty much done all the special elections. The biggest change has been Doug Jones getting elected in Alabama. Uh, but beyond that, the only way I could see it changing pre-election is 
the Senate where it's 51 to 49, which is really a two senator lead because the vice president is a senator, basically. Right. A tie break. The only way that could change is if like two Republican senators defect or something. That's never happened uh, on that scale. Yeah, that's not going to happen. And and even if it does, then Congress only becomes something that slows down Trump, not something that actually like just starts doing the opposite or something. Like, yeah. He just doesn't have a majority anymore. I feel like we're we're in a weird period where there aren't a lot of politicians who are comfortable challenging Trump because they don't know where this is headed. Yeah. I mean, I know it still probably kind of sounds like hyperbole, but there are a lot of, if not Hitler-esque things about Trump, very dictator-esque things about Trump. And I can imagine if you're a Republican now or even a Democrat now, if you know enough about history and what happens to dictators' enemies as things go along, you might just be trying to keep your head down and oh, I don't know, not not making waves. Like he'll go after them in life. Not necessarily murder, but Trump has made a point of even Nikki Haley. Like Nikki Haley regularly goes in front of the UN and is like, "We're making a list, and if you don't back us, oh yeah." It's going to come back on you someday. That that stuff's been nuts, yeah. Or like, we'll, we'll just cut off your aid funding if you don't right. go with us. Is some real, uh, real bully stuff. Yeah. yeah, and Trump is a bully. There's probably a big part of the government right now that is just hoping they can keep their heads down and that this will pass. Yeah, that's probably true, yeah. Yeah. Whatever their reasons, there is a lot of inaction on the part of everyone in the Republican Party, except for Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, maybe. Yeah. And that's yeah. about it. Just two Senate. Small And bunch. even then, they've still voted with him some of the time. Like, right, it's not right. that different. Yeah. Yeah. Even Jeff Flake, who said he oh, was man. resigning instead of running again, he <laughs> votes with Trump all the time. Yeah, constantly. And it, it's very disheartening. Yeah, he's done some stern faces. That's about yeah. it. What that means for me is for at least the next eight months until those elections happen, Trump can kind of do whatever he wants. Right. The thing that worries me most about Trump right now is DACA. Because mm. if he deports the dreamers like that, that would be a brutal move. Yeah. Because that those are people any country would want. No question about that. Like that to me would be on par with like a crystal knocked kind of thing where it's not like such blatant state sanctioned violence as when if anyone's listening is unfamiliar. That's that was Hitler's kind of first move again, like first public move against the Jews, where he just basically stood up in front of the nation and said, for the next couple nights, I want you to loot and terrorize Jews and get them out of your neighborhood. Yeah, the, the name Kristallnacht means night of broken glass in yeah, German. And that's, and so that's exactly windows. what it was. They broke windows, and yeah. but they also like rounded people up, deported people, people were raped, people were murdered. This wouldn't be that per se, but beyond that, how different is it? Like it's still going in to communities where we're talking about students business owners, people with good jobs, people who have been here yeah. paying taxes, have built a life. People who have followed a series of rules that we've laid out for them very right. specifically. Right. Rules, already. <laughs> rules that they've followed that we said, if you follow these rules, we are fine with you being in our country as we should be. Like right. we should be fine with that. And for him to just deport those people on the grounds, oh, Democrats won't work with us or whatever his garbage excuse will be. 
Yeah. That's a really heinous thing. And that's a thing that if it happens, that's a thing people should protest over. It needs to not be in a, we're meeting at Pershing Square at noon to hold signs. Like it needs to be a take to the fucking streets the minute it happens and don't leave until they undo it. Like that's where we lose our conscience as a country. If we just let that happen and we're like, ah, Democrats wouldn't work with them. Yeah. That's a weak excuse, man. That will be a severe tragedy if it happens. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't see how it wouldn't go horribly for humans. It'll go it would, horribly yeah. for a whole lot of people. There will be people who will benefit from it because it just like with Crystal Knock, those were business owners and people who had houses that they owned. Those businesses still needed to be run. Those houses need to be lived in. And he just gave that shit to ethnic Germans. That will have to happen with DACA because just the jobs alone that will leave this country that will need to be filled. Once you start talking DACA, you're not talking migrant farm workers and shit. Those are these are people you probably anyone listening to this, you probably work with or know someone who's here because of DACA. Yeah, like there's a very high probability of that. And you might not even know it because they're, they, they don't fit the Republican ideal of what an immigrant is. I can't see how all those people leave the country and it doesn't leave a huge hole in the economy that has to be filled by someone. So someone's yeah. going to get those jobs. Someone will get those homes. Someone will get those educational opportunities. And who knows? Maybe that's the thing that swings things in Trump's favor. And then we're really screwed. That's the thing that worries me the most in 2018 is DACA. Yeah, and we'd, we'd all be Faust at that point. We're all just signing our souls away. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. As far as opposing things beyond these elections, like, oh, vo uh, voting in midterms, isn't that a thing where we can swing one of the houses of Congress and then Trump can't do anything? We can stop him. And on paper, that is true. However, it seems like just the way the map lays out is not as rosy as people think it is. Both chambers, it's n not going to be nearly as easy as I think people expect to take them back. Right. For one thing, if you look at the Senate, 538 did a breakdown of it in August 2017. And not that they're right about everything, because they're not, but they broke it down and they say that, quote, the Senate hasn't had such a strong pro-GOP bias since the ratification of direct Senate elections in 1913. And... They're basing, when they say a bias, they mean, if you look at how the American population lays out versus how Senate seats lay out and like how people's voting power works, the Senate is basically a, a Republican tilted body because yeah. a bunch of rural states where uh, Republicans have become more rural, Democrats have become more urban, rural states have more power in the Senate. Yeah, for sure. They broke it down and said that if you look at just the way the country lays, Republicans have the opportunity to have 52 Senate seats coming from states where the 2016 presidential margin was at least five points more Republican than the country at large. There's 52 senators in a state that is five points more Republican than the average. Yeah. So that's a majority. That's yeah. the Senate. It's over. Yeah. If you look into gerrymandering, and the way that works in 2010, the Republicans, they drew some really crazy districts. Yeah, for the House. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. That yeah. are going to keep them in like it, it would take an unprecedented swing in voting to turn a lot of those districts. And the way they're drawn is insane. It'll be like one big land mass. And then it looks like a little river running off the side. Right. But that's just land. That's all Republicans that they also wanted. 
Yeah. And or the or the handful of Democrats they need to accept to tie like two ends of the state together. Right. Right. Into, yeah. Yeah. Make it look right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, and because also one more Senate thing, not only is the Senate just generally pointed Republican as as a body and how it works, there's also senators have six year terms. So uh, only a third of senators run each election. And this particular election, it's a lot of people who won in 2012. And there's been a phenomenon of more Democrats voting in presidential years than not. Yeah. And they're so, Democrats. The group of senators running in 2018 is a bunch of people who rode in on Obama's re-election coattails and had good results there. And so out of the people running, Democrats need to defend 26 seats, which includes both uh, Sanders and King, who are independents in Vermont and Maine, right. but vote with Democrats. Democrats need to defend 26 seats. Republicans need to defend eight seats. And <laughs> seven of those seats are in states Trump won. Oh, good. So yeah. Democrats only need to gain two Senate seats to gain the Senate. And they are pretty likely to lose some Senate seats, even if the turnout is good and they're leading Republicans in sure. general. It's and just just the way the math works and the, the map lays. And the thing about Democrats not really turning out in non-presidential election years, that's not a minor thing. There's a mindset, it seems like, among a lot of liberals where like, I feel like a lot of people didn't vote. Like, I feel in the presidential election, I feel like a lot of people who now are so angry about what's happening in the country probably didn't actually vote. Like because, in 2016 or in general? Yeah, in the 2016 presidential election. Because yeah. it was just no one could conceive that Trump would win so no one took it seriously. It was just a foregone conclusion that Clinton was going to win. And I think people got really lazy about it. And I feel like the worse and worse Trump gets, that same kind of thinking is going to set in where people will be like, he's so bad. Of course, he's going to lose. I don't need to vote. And here we are again. And we don't gain any ground in the House or Senate. I think a lot of people voted, but that was it. There was so much media saying that Hillary is, it's like, how much is Hillary going to win by? How dominant is she going to be? And that depresses the turnout of people like volunteering and like phone banking right. and, and like doing yeah. the, the actual on the ground work that is the thing that moves the needle. Unlike, uh, you know, us being angry on Twitter or something. Yeah. And I consumed almost nothing but media leading up to that election saying that Hillary would win. And I know, like me personally, I was like, oh, OK, I can I can probably stay home more now. Like it's it's also, yeah. you know, like I'll vote. But then that, that's about it. You know? When you hear we're definitely going to take back the House and Senate, don't take it for granted. Still go out and vote. So in the Senate, Democrats are defending seats in states like Indiana, Missouri, West Virginia, Montana, North Dakota. If your local people go out and vote there, maybe they can hold that seat because also there's some incumbency advantage, right. you know, and, and while they may not take the Senate, they could hold a pretty solid chunk of it. Then as we look at the House of Representatives, everyone runs every election because it's only a two-year term. Uh, so there's some opportunity there. And Democrats need to swing 24 seats to take the House. Then they have the House and they've done it. As far as how the map of that lays, Washington Post did a breakdown of it and found that there were 23 districts that are repped by Republican uh, congressmen. And Hillary Clinton won them in the presidential election. So those seem like, oh, 23 districts right. won less than they need, uh, <laughs> where Hillary Clinton was more popular than Donald Trump. So maybe that's an opportunity. It's not good that it's won less than they need. On top of that, nope. Trump won 12 districts repped by Democrats. 
if that's an advantage, it balances out yeah. more than you'd like. Also, as, as you look at the districts that are reps by Republicans, but won by Clinton, about a third of them are in the state of California. Uh, you know, I think most people believe that, oh, California is a, a land of just, it's a sea of environmentalists and, and kind, lotus-eating oh, no. Democrats. And, and you especially have talked in a great way on a popular opinion about the conservatism of California. It's out there. Yeah, it's, Los Angeles is pretty liberal, San Francisco's pretty liberal, and the rest of California is a total crapshoot. Yeah, it could be very progressive. It could be still a KKK stronghold. California has the most, the highest concentration of hate groups in the nation. That's I didn't a, know that. That's according to the Southern Poverty Law Center, and they keep track of that shit. They, that's that's their whole thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and of all the states, California has the highest. Part of it is probably there's a lot of black separatist groups here, which I imagine aren't as active in the Midwest and yeah. the North and places like that. <laughs> so that probably tips our numbers a little bit. Okay. But it's not all that. After Trump got elected, there were all these stories coming out of Northern California, all these farmers who were like, hey, man, I voted for you. And now all my staff is getting deported. It's like, well, yeah, it's because you voted for Trump, and that's right. what he said he was going to do. He said it over and over again all the time. Yeah, and yeah. there's all these people who were like, well, I didn't think he meant me. Like, he wasn't right. going to deport my people. <laughs> I don't get how they weren't able to reconcile that. Like, oh, this guy wants to deport uh, low-wage farm workers. I'm a farmer. Mm, I better vote for Trump. That's the kind of thinking happening in California right now. So, yeah, don't count on California to to be as liberal as you expect. There's also, I think, a culturally underrepresented, underreported phenomenon of wealthy, educated people who voted for Donald Trump and back that. And California has a bunch of those, too. Some of them are in Silicon Valley and believe that technology makes them superhuman and different from the rest of us. Right. And that others are from the traditional Republican strongholds in California, like Orange County or uh, San Diego has tended to be one. Like, that's what gave us not too long ago, a very, very Republican California for many years. That's how Richard Nixon came from Whittier, California and yeah. became the president and uh, vice president for eight years. That's how uh, Illinois-born Ronald Reagan became the governor and then the president. Yeah. Like, it's been a state that has often backed those people, and they may not flip their reps this coming midterm. California, it has a really liberal reputation, but California throughout history has really been a testing ground for very conservative ideas that went and took over the rest of the nation like yeah. reagan's deinstitutionalization which kind of gave us our homelessness problem in this Is country that, that's where they uh, got rid of like mental shut health down state facilities. mental health institutions like yeah. in huge numbers he started that in california and went well it's going terrible here we better take it the rest of the nation <laughs> and that was one of the first things he did when he became president and three strikes laws. This California was one of the first place to enact that horrifyingly imbalanced justice system idea. So there's a lot of conservatism comes out of California. Yeah. And it seems like Democrats taking the House back would require flipping at least a few of those yeah. seats. Also, and when we say that the Senate and the House look relatively bleak for Democrats, don't take that as give up. Take that as when I see a story saying the blue wave is already here. There goes yeah. Donald Trump. That story is bullshit. Yeah. You need to do go out and do that. stuff. And that's what you can do. That's Look at the source. It's probably RT.com. <laughs> it's the via, Russian Times. Via Sputnik. Via, <laughs> exactly. Via email forwards. Yeah. 
Because, yeah, I, I think people are really, really counting on that. And I think for their mental health, they need to know that it's going to take a lot of active work to make that happen. And don't like count. Yeah. Count your chickens, count your reps, I guess. <laughs> like it's not a for sure thing at all. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, you mentioned mental health. You had in the the notes about Trump and the yeah. dementia thing. We should talk about that. Yeah, so also I have seen some very, very mean people on social media saying like it's gonna be so great when Donald Trump succumbs to the like dementia, mental health, other issues he's having. And no, it will not be. For one thing, people tend not to get kicked out of the presidency for being physically incapable of doing it. Yep. Uh, there are rumors around Ronald Reagan having had a lot of these issues. Right. Uh, there's also the example of Woodrow Wilson. Not a lot of people know that Woodrow Wilson, at the end of his presidency, was basically incapacitated and would be hidden away in a room while his wife would like send down things that she said he said. Yeah. And kind of was like a, I don't know, queen regent or something for the country <laughs> while Wilson was just not there anymore. And so for one thing, that won't knock him out of office. And for another thing, that stuff's very sad. I don't know if anyone crazy sad and anyone who's known someone going through that or heard about it, like they know that I don't need to tell you that. But some other people don't seem to recognize that and figure it out. It's not like cool to see someone's brain uh, uh, deteriorate. Yeah, that is not a good look to, yeah. to back the idea of someone succumbing to dementia and like you said it's not going to fix the problem he'll still be in office he will yeah he will 100 percent be the president yeah he'll, he'll almost be less impeachable really yeah because then they'll just pull that defense yeah they'll be like, well he didn't know you don't hear it as much because it's a borderline crime to say but you hear people who are like oh maybe he'll get assassinated yeah you do not want to live in a country where your president gets assassinated. That is a traumatic <laughs> yeah. event. Like, it's a yeah. very bad situation for your country to be in. Because once that happens, like, there's a vacuum there where you never know who's going to seize power. And it's just a bad look for your country. It makes you look like bad people who kill your leaders. <laughs> The Kennedy assassination is like still a trauma for yeah, regular yeah. people who weren't there. That's why there's still Kennedy media all the time, you know, yeah. like still investigating it because people people are not over it. And it was over 50 years ago when Reagan was almost assassinated. I shudder to think what was coming after Reagan. If he had actually died in office in 81, like with the direction the country was heading, I feel like it would have gotten worse. I feel like that oh, was. Yeah almost a thing they kind of would have welcomed because they could have put someone else in his place. It's definitely not the way you want things to be fixed. Looking at the Kennedy example, his death became a thing of LBJ saying, we're going to follow through on everything he wanted because he's gone now and, and we got to do it in his memory, you know? Yeah. And uh, that, that, in my opinion, was mostly a good thing with Kennedy's, <laughs> what Kennedy right. wanted. If you don't like what Trump wanted, you don't want him to be a martyr for it. That's oh, no. not good. That's yeah. very bad. It would definitely not only rally Trump supporters in a big way, but a lot of people who are maybe on the fence as to whether the things Trump is saying are good or not, it might sway them to his side. There's no point when a president getting assassinated is going to unite the country in hatred of that person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that is an unrealistic thing to expect to happen. This is another thing that to be aware of in 2018 and uh, how it might be a long year. Donald Trump has some popularity among a chunk of people. He has right. a base. 
So as we see the buildup to these midterms, there's going to be campaigning. I'm surprised I haven't seen more just because these campaigns have gotten longer and longer. Like, I'm surprised it's not already happening more. Maybe it's just because all offices besides the president are boring. I don't know. Well, to that point, don't forget, Trump still holds rallies. Yeah. Which is something most presidents don't do. So he's technically never stopped campaigning. Didn't didn't he start fundraising the day after the inauguration? Something like that? Probably. Like he like filed paperwork. We'll we'll check that and footnote it. So as you look at these races, a thing to be aware of if you don't like Donald Trump is that a thing that will probably happen is more and more of the Republican candidates will run Trumpishly because yeah. there's been a clear dichotomy and a divide of people being on the more moderate side or the more Trumpy side. And the thing is, going into these elections, the perceived wisdom, the thing that all these people think is true, is that if they run moderate they will get primaried by a more conservative Republican. And so what they ought to do, they think, is just run crazy conservative, make sure they win the primary, and then they'll take their chances in the general and maybe it works out. Right. That's people's approach. And we just saw it happen in the November 2017 governor election in Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. And there's at least one, the guy in Illinois now, who is, he's not even running actual Nazi Trump stuff. He's running on actual Nazi stuff and he's running... He doesn't have any GOP opponents. All right. <laughs> like, it's just him. Like, that's all you got. And I know people who, no matter what, vote Republican. Right. And I wonder how much of a test that's going to be, because I'm from Illinois. I know people in Illinois who, no matter what, they vote one side of the ticket or the other. Like And, I, and to be fair, that happens with both parties. Right, so right, right. Yeah. And... Like I was talking to a guy once in Illinois about Bush and he agreed that Bush was awful and like he actually said Bush should be tried as a war criminal. Oh boy. And then I was like, so you're voting for Kerry in 2004, right? And he was like, no, my family has always voted Republican. So I was like, you get how crazy that is. He was like, I know it's crazy, but you can't tell me who to vote for. So don't discount that 2018 could just be a bunch of actual Nazis running unopposed and winning. Because also if uh, I'm Googling rapidly right now, his name is Arthur Jones. He is running for Illinois' third district for the U.S. House of Representatives. Full on Congress, folks. Yep. And he is a Holocaust denier and he is a he calls himself a white racialist. Which, just go Nazi at that point. Yeah, just do it. Don't make up words. Frankly, I thought the Blues Brothers made all the Illinois Nazis jump off a bridge into a river long ago. I didn't even know there were any anymore. Yeah. (laughs) So this is bullshit in a lot of ways, frankly. Beyond the full-on Nazis, there's going to be a lot of people doing this move. We mentioned Jeff Flake before. Jeff Flake is full of it because he says that oh i I don't want to run because it's just congress is too crazy and trump is too nuts it's in actuality all of the polls have been saying that jeff flake who was up for uh re-election in 2018 they've been saying he would get primaried by a more conservative republican if he tried to run like he would lose that that. yeah and so that's why he's quitting that's why he's out and there are a lot of other people who are worried about that in the virginia governor race this guy ed gillespie was sort of the establishment candidate that people wanted and then a real uh trumpy nutball named Corey stewart started running against him in the primary and doing really well because there were people who support that thing and so then gillespie went more conservative to beat him and started running tv ads where he said that his democratic opponent let ms-13 into virginia on purpose and got people killed 
which is oh, man. Pretty, pretty over the top and not great. Yeah. And then immediately after the election, Gillespie did interviews with anybody he could saying, well, that's not how I would have run if I could have, you know, it's just uh, it's just where the country is at. What can I do? This is a quote from his first interview. Are those the issues I would have chosen to run on as opposed to the tax cuts? And frankly, even the criminal justice reform innovative proposals I put forward that's what I'd rather the race had been about, but those weren't what was indicating was going to move numbers and help me win. How ethical. What a, oh, oh, man. I feel so bad for him now. Yeah. You know? Oh, he just, what a struggle. He had, he had to, to run racist. There was yeah, no other way to do it. He didn't have any choice. So it's, this, it's all better now. Yeah. So you may not enjoy the races in your area this year because there might be people doing that kind of thing in almost every race because also gillespie didn't lose by a lot unfortunately uh, it was relatively tight yeah and there are going to be some other people in some other places who say that would work for me that's a thing yeah and what trump is also doing that i think is going to have an impact on the 2018 elections is he's making a lot of things that we've already rejected like mitt romney <laughs> seem like a normal and good option now yeah the idea of romney beating obama i was like i'll i'll burn this country to the ground if that happens <laughs> like we're fucked right and now i'm like come on Mitt, just run dude please come back and he is and He's he retired. is but then i saw his first statement and he was like i want to bring utah values to the government and it's like fuck no <laughs> i don't want that I've seen big love. I know what you mean. <laughs> like that's, it's like we're being pushed so far to the edge that when we move back, where are we going to be? Is it just going to be, well, this is Mitt Romney's America now. And at least it's not Trump. So we're fine. Folks, that is the episode for this week. My thanks to Adam Todd Brown for being a pal and making the time and my thanks to you for listening. To say it for an umpteenth time, because it's worth saying, the point of this week's show is not everything is doomed, it's that everything will only get better if we ignore misinformed pundit bullshit that tricks us into being complacent. Time and energy will fix it. Let's put that in. And as far as our food notes go, go check out Unpopular Opinion. It's Adam's podcast, Adam's Podcast Network, and a website with articles, future stand-up show dates, and more. You can find all things Unpopular Opinion and Adam Todd Brown at unpops.com. U-N-P-O-P-S dot com. Get over there. You'll also find Adam's original Trump slash Hitler article for Cracked, links to Robert Mueller's history, tales of terrifying new fact manipulation software, our data on the 2018 House and Senate races, and more. Also, around the middle of the show, UFOs came up. And you don't have to believe anything about UFOs if you don't want to. We are footnoting the New York Times article that Adam described, titled Glowing Auras and Black Money, the Pentagon's Mysterious UFO Program. That article is as Adam described it. Draw your own conclusions from there, but he's reporting what the New York Times is reporting. And last footnote, here are two things we covered that I do want to fact, not fact check, it's more like a fact update. Number one, I claimed that Donald Trump filed official re-election paperwork to kick off fundraising for 2020 the day after he was inaugurated, and that was inaccurate. I have to fix that and correct that by saying that Donald Trump actually filed his re-election fundraising paperwork five hours 
after he was inaugurated. It didn't take a whole nother day. We are linking to the time-stamped paperwork. I apologize for giving Donald Trump one atom of credit. I will try to do better next time. Fact update number two. We did say Mitt Romney claimed he's running for the U.S. Senate to bring Utah values to Washington. However, we do have to update the record on what Utah values apparently are. Because in 2012, presidential candidate Mitt Romney accepted real estate developer Donald Trump's endorsement for the presidential race. Then, in 2016, Trump said a lot of bad stuff. People criticized Mitt for taking his endorsement. And Mitt tweeted the following. Quote, if Trump had said four years ago the things he says today about the KKK, Muslims, Mexicans, disabled, I would not have accepted his endorsement. End quote. Then, last week, Trump endorsed Mitt on Twitter, and Mitt publicly accepted. So, when we say Mitt Romney is barely an alternative to Donald Trump, that was a major overstatement. I apologize for discussing Mitt Romney as if he is merely total garbage. Bad job on my part. Anyway, would you like to spend a fun-filled night of comedy thinking about the absolute best humans? I sure would. Join me, because we're doing a live episode of this show, The Cracked Podcast, on Saturday, March 10th at UCB Sunset in Los Angeles. Our topic is our all-time most popular live show topic. It is little-known badasses of history. I'll be joined by comedians Emily Heller, Greg Edwards, and Zach Bornstein. Tickets are on sale now at sunset.ucbtheater. That's theater with an R-E on the end. Sunset.ucbtheater.com. And as far as this episode goes, our theme music is Chicago Falcon by the Budos Band. Our episode was engineered by Adam Todd Brown. Wow, crazy! And it was edited by Chris Souza. If you loved this episode, that's great. If you hated it, let me know about it on social media. That's right, social media. The thing that only mostly burned the country down, and we can fix it from here. Trust me. I'm on Twitter at Alex Schmitty. I'm also on the wider internet at my website, alexschmitty.com. There's a newsletter and show dates and more. And hey, there's going to be more Cracked Podcasts next week. So how about that? Talk to you then. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.